So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Lord, we just want to thank you for bringing all of us here under your roof, O oh God, into the house of God to worship you in spirit and in truth. Yes. Lord, we thank you for this amazing day, this yes. new day that you have given us, God. And help us to honor it by worshiping you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And now, Lord, as you transition to the message, may the words of my mouth and may the meditation of all the hearts who are listening here today, Lord, may it be pleasing, Lord, in your sight, O oh God. And may every word, every thought, and every praise may point straight to you, O oh Lord, bring you all the glory and all the honor that your name is deserving of all the praises, of all the lips, of all your children, of all your people. We worship you in spirit and in truth. We thank you. We love you. We love you. We pray to you, Lord, for you are our King and our Lord and our Savior. We pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, and we pray. And all of God's people pray. Amen. 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 And amen. 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 Let's all take our seat, and before we begin, uh, can we just take a moment to greet our fellow neighbor at this time? <clears throat> all right, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, happy Sunday, everyone. As we're now in the season of Advent, we're going to continue on with our Real Faith series. So for today's message, the title of today's message is... Again, it's part nine, and it is called Favoritism, Anyone. Favoritism, Anyone. All right, and our main scripture found here today is found in James chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. And the heading says, Favoritism, Forbidden. The author, James, he begins the second chapter of his letter, with this, he says, My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, Here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Verse 5, listen, my dear brothers and sisters. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom? He promised those who love him. Amen. And amen. And today I want to talk to you guys on the topic of favoritism. Is favoritism good? Is favoritism bad? Is favoritism necessary? Let's get down to it in today's message. Starting with point number one is every sheep matters. That's the truth. Each sheep within the church matters. Growing up, I'm sure you have as well, we've been this many favoritisms i mean to the receiver it feels nice right who doesn't like to be favored some people love the attention the attention that you get the praises that comes with it especially from a leader it feels nice but however to the bystander it will not feel so nice 
Why? Because you feel like you're alone. You're not being seen. You're not being noticed. Not being accepted. So how do we avoid the trap of the cancer that James is talking about here, the cancer that surrounds on the topic of favoritism? This is what we do. We do everything. We do everything, letter A. We do it for the Lord. It begins with you doing it for the Lord. That's how it starts. That's the foundation. That's the beginning. That's how we must all start. We must build our house, our foundation, our character based upon that. Everything that we do, every thought, every work, every word that we speak, we do it for the Lord. Letter A, letter B, with genuine love. At church, just because you come to church doesn't mean things are genuine. People can do things just out of habit or because they learn how to speak that way. Holier than thou, how are you, brother? All those words, those lingos that sounds good, we sound, it looks good, we look holier than thou, but at the end, is it genuine? Is it rooted in genuineness? Is it a raw, true faith that you have in the Lord with genuine love? Let us see, with genuine humility. With genuine humility. You cannot treat those who are, in quote, least of these if you do not have genuine humility. Because in the back of your mind, in the back of your head, you're always going to think that you are somewhat better than the person that you are encountering. Or you say hello to. You'll think, I could beat this person in this sport. Or I think I'm better than this person. It's a competition. But humility brings us to a place where we're accepting of one another. There is no competition. We are all here to finish the race together. We are here to help one another. That's why in the prayer in the beginning, I mentioned Galatians chapter 3 and Colossians chapter 3. And in the prayer, it says, As God's chosen people, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised. And what does Paul say in Colossians 2? He says, as God's chosen people, holy and dear, dearly loved, he says, clothe yourselves with what? With compassion, with kindness, and with what? Humility. So humility is absolutely necessary for us to understand that each individual matter with genuine humility. And letter D, for each sheep. We do everything for each sheep. Some leaders will give special favor to one individual. But we must help each other as if that person is our everything. Why? Because Christ died for that one individual. Christ died for you for your life. And in God, when one individual is saved, when one individual is helped, he says the heaven celebrates, then they joyfully sing, the angels sing, and they celebrate, for the one who was dead has come back to life. The one who was lost has come back home. And we know this theme of one individual by looking at the story of the demon-possessed man where Jesus goes to the other side for this one individual. We know that this is a Gentile region, but Jesus brings his disciples even in the midst of the storm. This is where the story where Jesus found sleeping, and he goes and he saves this one individual. We know the story of the woman at the well. Jesus goes to Samaria in the enemy's territory, and he goes and saves this one individual. But ultimately, what is it for? Is it just for that one individual? So it could be just about that one individual. Yes, for that moment, yes, it is. But ultimately, it's not just for you. Just as the Jewish people were the chosen people, as the Abraham was the chosen individual who were supposed to be chosen, God's special chosen people, the Israelites, they were God's chosen people, but it wasn't meant for them to just keep it to themselves, but what? To give it to the world. 
to represent, to show the Messiah to the world. And then through that one man, the demon-possessed man, through that one woman, the woman at the well, who was rejected by society, through them, it says that region, they saw the testimony and their lives were changed. And they accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So when we have this mindset in a church that each sheep matters, every sheep matters, when we have that mindset, then we understand and we take away the poison and the cancer of favoritism because we understand that each life is valuable to God. Why? Because they are created in the image of God. Martha, Mary, Lazarus. I could have an unending list of characters in the Bible where Jesus reached them all individually. But ultimately it was for what? It was for the world. For all. In Luke 15, if you have your Bible, you could turn there, but we have it up on the screen. I just want to just talk to you real quick about the three parables that Jesus mentions. The first one is the parable of the lost sheep. And the second is the parable of the lost coin. And third is the parable of the lost son. And they're all connected together because Jesus is making it very clear in his message that each sheep matters to him. It says here, the parable of the lost sheep in verse 1, it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? When he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over what? Over one sinner who repents. He says, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than what? Over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. So when we have a service and we are able to reach one individual and they're able to repent before God and turn their life from the course of the life that they're going in a wrong path that they're in, right? They're cold. They're out in the world. They've been out in the street. They've been out in the world and they have rejected Christ and they have ran away from Christ and they're out in the world. But somehow, in a miracle, they come in and they enter the church and they pray to God and they're able to repent. Jesus, just like Psalm 51 that we read earlier with the praise, they come with repentance and with humility. And it says, the heavens rejoice. That there will be more rejoicing in the heaven over one individual who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. This is a principle that as a church, we cannot lose. 99 for one. That one individual is so important to the gospel, to the Lord. And he repeats it over and over again in Luke 15 because he's trying to emphasize how important it is to reach that one lost soul. And then he goes on, the parable of the lost coin in verse 8. Or suppose a woman who has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And she, when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Jesus going over and over and over and over again. How important this is to him. And then the famous passage that we all know of, the parable of the lost son, the prodigal son, verse 17, when he came to his senses, 
starting with verse 17. He said, how many of my father's higher servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. Again, he is the youngest son. He took everything. He is Solomon. He took everything. It's a story of you and Solomon starving to death. And he decides, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your higher servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him from a distance and was filled with what? Compassion, love. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fanged calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field when he came near the house. He heard music and dancing. Verse 26, so he called one of the servants and asked him, what was going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother didn't rejoice, but he became angry like Cain. The story of Cain and Abel, the nature of humanity, Humanity of humans, it goes on, it continues on, and goes on to to today, even to this day. The older brother became angry, refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fan calf for him? My son, the father said, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate. He says we had to. It was a must. And be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And whenever we read the Bible, we read the book Philemon. And we see the story of Onesimus is directed to one individual. The letter to Timothy is to one individual, but it's speaking to you. It's speaking directly to our hearts, to our lives. So to those who are like the older brother, who take things in a toxic way and we skewed kindness to favoritism, and jealousy rises like the older brother. We must remember this. We must humble ourselves with genuine love, with genuine humility. We must humble ourselves, and we need to say to ourselves that each sheep matters. And going back to point D, for each sheep, sometimes for the sake of love and for the sake of healing, I believe favoritism is needed, right? For just for that season. It is needed. And all, as the one who are seeing and experiencing this favoritism for that season, as it's taking place in your life, you have maybe gone away from church and you have come back and you are embraced with all this love and attention and clap and cheer behind it. For your life has been saved, for saving of that one life. Yes, we should celebrate. But you must not remain there, caught up in your own head, in your own life. Now it's time to what? Mature and to pass it on and to help the next individual who is lost out on the street, one life at a time. You must give back to the one who has received that favoritism. In that given season of your life, pay it back. Pay it back by supporting the next individual who is in need, the least of these, in quote, amen.
just like the older brother, that's an example that we cannot follow. Or we're filled with jealousy, anger. May we have the heart of Jesus in all that we do. Amen and amen. amen. So every sheep matters. Point two, the chain is only as strong as its weakest part. In other words, you are only as strong as your weakest link. Uh, this is, applies to everything in any sport. Kumdo, kendo, judo, wrestling. Even if you have a finger, an injured finger, a weak knee, an elbow, if that chain of your body is broken and it's not in sync with each other in unison, and when you're faced with a strong pull, that chain will break. Eventually, it will break. You may try to overcompensate by using other body part so that you can perform in a certain way, but eventually, ultimately, you'll be injured again. So again, the chain is only as strong as its weakest part. So with the principle of, again, favoritism, we need to understand that each part of the body is crucial to the community of the church. So letter A, we must understand this is the most important part because without the head, we're all, we're all headless and we're, we're going to be dead. Jesus is the head. What do I mean by that? It means that he is my captain. He is my skipper. He is our everything. He is my anchor. He is the one who leads us every step of the way. Jesus is the head. Letter B, Jesus is the Lord of my whole being. My eyes, my hands, my toes, my feet, my organs from the inside out, from even to the very number of the hair that are on my head. Jesus is the Lord of my whole being, my mind, my heart, my soul, my spirit, my life, my heart. Let us see, Jesus is the Lord of all my life decisions. Whatever you do, whatever you decide, you do it for the Lord. Colossians 3, you do it for the Lord. And in point B, it says, Jesus is the Lord of my whole being. Let us see, I said, Jesus is the Lord of all my decisions. Let's go to quickly, John 13, real quick. He's right before Jesus is about to be crucified. And he has a meal with them. The last meal, the last supper. And then what does Jesus do? He washes their feet. It says here, so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Again, that's the dirtiest part of the human body, especially in the context of that time. Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. So what does Peter say? He says, what? Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but what? My hands and my head as well. He's talking about his whole being, not just my feet, not just the dirtiest part of my body, Lord where it's the most shameful, but every area, every part of my DNA, wash it, Lord. My whole being, take control of it. And letter D, I am who I surround myself with. In other words, 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, bad company corrupts good character. So going back to our points, Jesus is the head, Jesus is the Lord of my whole being, Jesus is the Lord of all my life decisions. I am who I surround myself with. And in the light of bad company corrupts good character, you need to ask yourself, who are you surrounding yourself with? Are you surrounding yourself with people 
who show favoritism only to those who can give something to them? Or are you truly surrounding yourself with people who love and genuinely care, who say, Jesus is my head. Jesus is the Lord of my whole being. Jesus is the Lord of all my decisions. Then D will be a curse for your life. Because if all your friends, if the, the five close people in your life are people who do not have a relationship with the Lord, who have a different agenda, who have no care for the church, they don't have a relationship with Jesus, then that's who you are. Let's not deceive ourselves. Ultimately, we are who we surround ourselves with. Jesus did a lot of miracles, but what did he do? He oftentimes withdrew. He withdrew to what? To pray to God. And ultimately, his closeness goes who were the 12 disciples. He had his crew and it was intact and it was not compromised his best friends were people out in the world who had different thought different morals and if you have people that do not love God in the core group of your life then that's your weakest part and that's your strongest part because ultimately your chain will break. It will snap. But if you realize your weaknesses and you turn to the Lord with humility and you strengthen and you reinforce that area, then we're going to be okay. The chain is only as strong as its weakest part. May you remember this on the topic of favoritism. Because it's about working in your life, in your character. Because when you are mature and you grow, you're able to help others to grow and to mature as well. And lastly, point number three, the kingdom of God is the upside down kingdom. This is something that we as Christians, we need to understand. Before when we were in the world, what the world offers is good. It's number one. But when we enter the Christian life, everything transforms and is upside down. 180. We're transformed from the core of our being. And Philippians 2, as I mentioned last week, is the perfect example of this which Paul is talking about imitating Christ's humility. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of mind. So do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing but taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And ultimately, it ends with this. It says, Therefore God exalted him, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. And that is where we are right now. The advent, the second advent of Christ. We're waiting for the king, the lion to come. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And what I love to do when I preach, I love to bring back core 
passages to our church because ultimately what I want is repetition, repetition, and repetition for us to remember this, that in the future, in the near future, or when something happens in the world, when we're in prison, when we're, we're being bondage because of our faith, or something happens, this world turns upside down, and Christians go to prison, I want us to have the Word of God in our heart and to memorize it within our heart. And whenever you hear the same passage week by week, and if in our minds somehow we're thinking, oh, I've heard this before, oh, again, this passage, then we need to recheck our hearts and see where we are because we need to joyfully rejoice when we hear these passages like Philippians 2, having humility, same mindset as Christ Jesus, remembering that what he did for me is out of this world. No human being can do this for me. That he made himself nothing, the God of everything, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, he made himself nothing, taking the nature of a servant, being made in a human likeness, appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, to death on a cross. Why? For you, for me, for us. There is no greater love than this. And that, my friends, is the message of the kingdom of God, the upside-down kingdom. Humility, giving your life for the least of these. He calls us to live a life that honors him. And Jesus, when he comes into the picture, he's literally transforming uh, the mindset of his disciples, right? Because it begins with his close friends, with his core circle. And we see it throughout the gospel. Let's go to Matthew 18. An example of this is the heading says, The greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Look, we all want to be great. We all want to do great things for God. And then Jesus, he shifts their world, their mindset, because they thought being the greatest is first. And it says in verse 1, At that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him. Because ch children, especially during that time, they were neglected, right? You don't want to be a child forever. You want to grow up and have a place in the world. And what does Jesus do? He brings a child who is helpless. He says, you will... Truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And continue on. Luke 9, 46, 48. An argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child and had him stand beside him. Then he said to them, whoever welcomes this ch little child in my name welcomes me. Whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For it is the one who is least among you all who is the greatest. I'll say it again. For it is the one who is the least among you all who is the greatest. He's talking about the servant is the greatest in the kingdom of God. Luke 14, when he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. He's seeing all these people wanting to be at top, wanting to sit at the important seat, at the front, front seat in the, in the court side of the game, of a basketball game, or any sport, sporting events. We love to be in the important seat, in the VIP seating areas. And when someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished, distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place. Be invisible. 
So that when your host comes, he will say to you, Friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humble. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Taking the principle, take it from where? Philippians chapter 2. Memorize this. Remember this. Everything, the principle of God, is the same throughout from Genesis to the book of Revelation. Continue on, verse 12 to 14. Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they might invite you back, and so you'll be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. In other words, God will repay you, and he will honor you for your kind work. Matthew 23, 11 to 12, the greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And then continuing on, Luke 22, 24 to 27, dispute also rose among them as to which of them was considered to be greatest. Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. My friends, let us not take kindness as weakness, humility as weakness, because Jesus, there's no one stronger than Christ. He has all the power in the world, not just to destroy our body, but to destroy our life, our soul, and our spirit. As we did our lesson this week in the book of Revelation chapter 14. We saw the three angels, and we saw the fourth, fifth, and sixth, and we saw the gory scene of how they sliced up the unbelievers, those who are unrepentant, those who are degenerate, those who reject the Lord, and we see the violence the wrath of God coming in full force. Right now, the Lord, he wants to remind you how much he loves you. But at the same time, you must flip that coin and understand the wrath of God and how scary our God is. If we don't walk each day with fear, with reverence for the Lord, knowing that at any moment he can come, and turn our life upside down. In other words, what I'm saying is you want to humble yourself first before you get humiliated. If you do not humble yourself, you will be humiliated and you have no choice but to be humble. And both will produce the same result, the same person, the same kind of character that Christ wants, a person who is dependent on him. But if you choose to continue to reject the Lord without repentance, you choose to live in your rebellion, what will ultimately happen? You'll get to a place of no return like Judas and Pharaoh. Every, each plague, each plague that God was showing Pharaoh was giving chance to Pharaoh to turn to God, to exalt him, to acknowledge that God is the true God, not your Egyptian gods. But he continued to reject and reject and to reject. And his heart was the same. He showed favoritism to his own people, but he treated the Israelites like slaves, like cockroaches. 
But when we truly have a relationship with God, James is teaching us here. Friends, listen to me. When we truly have a relationship with God, we do out of love, we serve out of love, not because we're trying to get payback, but we simply do because it's what Christ did for me. And that's enough. You pay for a meal, I get this time and you get next time. No. You do it out of love because the Lord will pay you back hundredfold. You need to believe the truth, the principle of how God works in our lives. Does that mean that if you're a student, you have a negative amount in your bank account, that you should go ahead and spend all that money, have extra negatives, and go broke even more? No, I'm talking about using wisdom. But there are other ways where you can serve. If you have a vehicle, you can help drive someone. You could help clean, serve with your hands, things that we can do. And there are ways that God has blessed us with to be a light to the least of these. There are many ways for us to serve. Jesus did not buy them all a new outfit, but Jesus, he what? He gave the greatest gift of all. He humbled himself. He lowered himself, took the sandals off his disciples' feet, and he washed their feet. And ultimately, he gave the ultimate price. He gave his life on the cross for us. So when we understand the cross, when we understand the death and the resurrection of Jesus, the life of Jesus, that's when favoritism is no longer in our vocabulary. There's no way that there can be favoritism in our heart. It should be eliminated. For we love because Christ loved me first. And he is a fair God. A God that sees each sheep as his own. And in his eyes, in his heart, every sheep matters. Your life matters. And he loves you. And he is searching for you. And he is waiting for you. But you need to turn to him. You need to turn to him with humility. And you need to repent. When you have breath now, it is time now to repent and to turn to the Lord. If not, ultimately your chain will break. To keep your chain from breaking, keep Jesus as your head. Make sure he is the Lord of your whole being and all of your life decisions. And be careful who you surround yourself with. Stop just hanging out with random people. Just be out of loneliness. Don't do that. As it says in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, bad company corrupts good character. Just because you have good character now doesn't mean you will keep that. Ultimately, you will lose it. If you keep surrounding yourself with people who have a different mindset. Be humble and understand that you have the capacity to do great evil. All of us, we are capable of doing great evil. But we are also capable of doing godly things, good works, to further the work of the kingdom of God. But the only way we do that is if we strengthen the weakest part of our lives. What is that? And Satan knows, and Satan has been attacking it. But you need to go back to the Lord. You need to reinforce that weak area. May we turn to the Lord with humility. Amen. amen. And amen. And amen. So with that, let me just end this message with verse 5 real quick. 
James ends this section by saying, Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? Amen and amen. And with that, I want to invite the priest him to come up. I would like us to sing the song Breaking Barriers where the words say you broke down all barriers and came down to save us. Uh, you didn't want heaven without us. You are God incarnate. And Lord, you lay down your comfort to bring your peace to us as you read in Philippians 2. You humbled yourself and came as the lowest of the lows. Lord, you are God with us. You always were and will be. When we were hopeless, you revealed your kingdom to us. You are a friend to those, to those who are white, who are fell and weak. You lift up our lives when we were powerless. So with that truth, can we just worship them and spare in the truth, understanding how weak we are and how weak I am, that it is Christ who came and rescued me. I was once a prodigal son, a prodigal daughter. Now I have been saved. May we remember who we are and what God calls us to do. He's calling you right now to go and to serve the least of these. Why? Because I did it for you. Because I died on the cross for you. Because I gave my life for you. I, I'm calling you to wash the feet of your friends. He's calling you right now to a place of maturity, to have a heart of a child. Not childish, but childlike. Turn to the Lord with humility and let us worship Him in spirit and in truth. As the praise team sings in the background, I want to invite you to pray. Pray and seek the Lord while He may be found here today. Let us pray together. You broke down all barriers Then came down to save us You didn't want You lay down your comfort to bring your peace to us. You humble yourself and came as the lowest of the lowest. You broke down our barriers and came down to save Lord, you lay down to be transformed from the inside out to bring your peace to us. To understand us. the truth of the gospel, you humbled yourself and gave us the lowest of the lowest. From our thoughts, from our intentions, Lord, you are God You revealed your kingdom to us. Lord, you broke it all. friend to those who are afraid. You draw near to those who are broken hearts. When we were powerless, Lord, you are God with us. You always were. When we were all blessed, you revealed your kingdom to us. You were a friend to those who were afraid. You lifted up our lives. When we were powerless, you washed us. You came and you rescued me. And you came and you died for me. Even when I was at my dirtiest. Even when I was lost in my shame. And my and you came 
you rescue me. Washed away all my thoughts. Lord, who can turn to the Lord with all the thefts, with all the sins of God we've accumulated? Who can truly turn to the Lord? To good bring your peace to us, you bridge the gap. Chasm is too big. The lowest of the lows. Here's the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, you are God with us. You always will and will be when we were. thank you for who you are and for what you've done for us uh, just for being such a loving God and at the same time such a powerful God that you humbled yourself and brought yourself to the point the lowest of the lows so that you can die on the cross for us to teach us what it means to love one another and to be a servant. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for today's message, for reminding us here today how favoritism is forbidden and what it means to be favored for a season and what it means to pay back and to serve and to live this life, to rejoice when the lost sinner repents and turns their life back to you. The heaven rejoices and the heaven celebrates. May we have the heart of the Father to have compassion and to have understanding. Lord, let our hearts not become hardened from the mundane things of this world, but may our hearts grow soft so that we can turn back to you with humility and to serve you by serving the least of these. Lord, may we live this life, one life, not for the glory of the things of this world, but may we live this one life to serve and to love. 
and to serve and to love and to serve and to love to serve and to love may that be the cycle of our lives to serve and to serve and to serve we can serve and we can give not because the well within us is full because of our own good works or of our pride but we can serve because it is full and it is overflowing with the well, the spring of life, the priceless gift that I have received in Christ. And because of the unending love and the unending love of the Father in my life, I am able to serve until I take my final breath here on this earth. Lord, I love you. We declare today that you are the love of our life. You are a king. You are our master. And Lord, you are our friend. You love us. And you are near to us here today. We thank you. We love you. Thank you for today's message. May we trust in you and rely on you always in our difficulties. For all these things, in your precious Son, just cross and we pray. And all of God's people pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. 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 All right, with that, let's pray for the offering prayer. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for giving us the opportunity to give to you uh, what is already yours, Lord. Uh, we give to you out of a joyful heart and a willing heart. Lord, let us not take, again, what we have learned this year. A willing heart is so precious. May we always have a willing heart to serve you and to love you and to give to you because it is already yours and it is never a waste. May we use the monetary things and all the spiritual blessings, Lord, for one thing only, to further the work of your kingdom here on this earth. We pray all these things. Your precious Son, just cross and we pray. And all of God's people pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. And with that, let's close our service with the path of life in Jesus, our final song, closing song, and we'll close the service with the final prayer, our benediction prayer. Let us sing together. again and let's look at him in the eye and say God loves you and you are favored you are favored but I am his favorite <laughs> no be like John I am his favorite amen and amen all right with that uh, let's close our service uh, with the benediction um, let's pray let's pray together May the Lord bless you and keep you. 
And may the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And now, may the God of peace, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. May he work within us what is pleasing to him. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. And as God's people, we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. amen. And amen. All right. God bless you. I love you. I'll see you all in the back. God bless you.